You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Chris here again with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and I'm in full quarantine and full social distancing mode right now, but because of the internet, the miracle of the internet technology, I do not have to social distance from my good friend and co-founder of Bonsai Creative, Nicholas Bugs. Nick's Say Nick's Nick, say hello. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, folks? Yeah, sorry, we got to deal with this whole COVID 19, aka coronavirus lockdown. I guess you can't really call it a lockdown, right? It's social distancing. So yeah. it's important that we continue to do that. We keep everybody safe, you know, heed the warnings, you know, keep your family safe, keep the elderly safe, uh, just do what we can, right? Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's interesting times for sure. It's like um, every time you do something that seems just a little bit outside of your character, it's like, oh, you got that COVID, you got that Corona. I just right. I, I just lisp when I said your name initially. That's that Corona lisp. Oh man, yeah, just you you, it. it's it's You're it's internal <laughs> it's internal anxiety and stress <laughs> affecting everything that we do. Right? Exactly. I heard somebody yeah, say it today that like. Um, just the idea of the of staying in house and staying on lockdown was making you know was making people ill like they they yeah. they have a physiological response that makes them think they have the virus and they're like right. oh yeah. i actually don't have it i just have low grade anxiety so the anxiety isn't high enough for me to you know be dying or call somebody but it's enough to make you feel potentially sick so i think it's you know, watch it. Um, but today's going to be a fun conversation. Um, we have a couple of things uh, on our mind, don't we? So, so as one, always, yeah. What what do filmmakers do? Creators do in a time like this? How can we take advantage of it? How can we be on the upside of the downside, so to speak? A lot of things happen in the world of of uh, Hollywood. Um, and, and this last, I'd say, two weeks. Um, how are they going to come through it? What, how the film industry is going to change due to coronavirus and, and novel COVID-19. Um, are we going to see some permanent changes? And then last but not least, uh, mistakes in the making. Uh, we are launching our mistakes in the making program idea uh, concept, if you will. Uh, and we have our own mistake in the making so that yep, we can launch sure. it off, share the very first one, be out there. We're definitely not perfect. Never said we were. Lots of mistakes made. And uh, we have so many more than the one we have today to share, but we're going to share one with you there. So uh, what do you think about that? Good? Yeah, good Is stuff, that enough? Man. Is that too yeah, let's, let's, no, let's get it, man, because I know there's a bunch of people sitting at home right now, you know, again, social distancing, doing their part, and uh, looking for content. And, you know, you and I are always there to provide it to make sure that we're putting some good stuff out there for filmmakers and that they're using this time to think about how to advance themselves and their careers and, you know, just think about the business of filmmaking. So, yeah, we're game, dude. You know, let's do it. I love it. I love it. And so I'd read uh, earlier this week 
that um, due to this is before the full shutdown, but uh, and lockdown of restaurants and businesses and homes um, that due to the coronavirus, people were starting to exploit and rush to drive in theaters again because you could social distance, yep. stay in your car with your significant other. And I found that to be incredible because yeah. you know there's a low bar for our filmmakers. We can call these local drive-in theaters that still exist and say, "Hey, will you run our movie?" Um, you know, how do you four wall an open space, right? So I think it's a low, I think it's a low barrier, low hanging fruit, and it's a low yeah. barrier to entry. But now with the whole shutdown, it started making me think about what um, what are uh, a creator's alternative. So we know we have Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat. Um, but we also have TikTok and YouTube. And one of the things that uh, we've heard from creatives is that, well, I don't dance. <laughs> TikTok is TikTok's <laughs> not just for dancing. Um, no, it's not. It, it is something that it, it, it's been a, an interesting sort of arc to this business because it started as musically yep, and musically was about singing mm-hmm. and about sort of this, this technology allowed you to harmonize with yourself. And I actually love that. So when I downloaded yeah. musically, my initial thought was, Oh, I'm going to take some of my songs and practice harmony. Cause actually me and you met doing something similar on a double decker yeah. tape, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. where you can create your own harmony and listen to what it sounds like. Right. Right. Yep. We've gone so far since then with technology, but that was musically, it kind of popped, but it was only like, it only served people who had a modicum of talent. Yeah. But so how sure. do we get to the people that don't have talent? <laughs> 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 yeah, but So there was TikTok and TikTok. Right. Or, the, or there for, talents outside of singing, right, right? That could be leveraged in that kind of platform. Correct. Right? Yeah. And that kids would love, right? Because right. kids don't know the technicalities of creating harmony and singing and playing instruments. And the timing it took to do that, right, was almost like science. But TikTok right. is just you're getting in front of it, you're dancing, you're doing some things. And I think dance took off. But you could definitely do more than just dance. Um, so, Nick, what else have you seen on TikTok and how would you sort of exploit your brand in this time on a platform like TikTok? Yeah, so that's the key thing, right? You just said about exploiting your brand. And I think right now when filmmakers are finding themselves at home, they're not able to get out and deal with or work with cast and crew and make the projects that they're accustomed to, uh, even short films. You know, you can't get out there and do that. So what do you do with this time? And I say, yeah, exploit your brand, build your brand, get your brand out there. And your brand is you, right? It isn't the next film that you're working on. It's all about you and introducing yourself to the world or reintroducing yourself to the world or even expanding, you know, the number of people and the types of people that know you. So through all of these social media mechanisms, you know, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, so on and so forth, you basically have to figure out the first thing is what market are you actually targeting? You know, so you talk about TikTok. Well, you know, if you're 18 and up, you might not be on TikTok as much. Right. Or let's say even 20 and up. And then if you go 20 and below, well, you're going to be on TikTok, probably Snapchat, Instagram. Like that's where you're going to find those folks. So look at your audience that you're trying to target and then figure out which social media platform or content platform 
is most appropriate. After that, it's like, okay, who am I? You know, what am I about? What content is really going to show people who I am and what I do? And you talk about TikTok. Yeah, we've got people like, yeah, like you said, uh, I don't dance. I don't do that stuff. Man, there's this one thing on TikTok that my daughter showed me, which is really cool, where this guy basically just starts talking about his relationship with some girl. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's basically like an invented girl. But he's talking to her as if he's talking to her in the hallway at school, you know, maybe back at home, you know, maybe he's going out somewhere. But he's basically making up this entire kind of fake conversation. You never hear her. Right. You just see him talking and kind of reacting to what her response would be. And people are loving this content. There's no dancing. There's no music in this. And then that has become a series Right. It's almost an episodic where people are following to find out, well, what's going to happen in this relationship tomorrow. Right. And think think about that. There's no other person. Right. It's just him interacting with this invisible person, basically. And people really want to know what's going to happen next. So check this out. One of the really cool things is that another content creator decided to create her own TikTok, basically responding to him. Right. Right. So now you have this dueling series, if you will, where he does his thing and now she's coming. So she's been accepted by the community as the girlfriend. Right. You know, and then now this is an ongoing series. He does his thing. She does her thing. This is, of course, art will imitate life and they will actually get married in real life. Exactly. So this is real content that's being put out there. And I think the thing that, you know, you and I always imitate art, whichever way. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you one of the things you and I always try to tell filmmakers is that they have to understand that they are content creators. Right. A filmmaker is a content creator. So therefore you are competing with other content creators. Content creators are putting their stuff on YouTube. They're putting their stuff on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, what, Snapchat, Vimeo. So when you're gonna try to get your brand out there, you're competing with them because you're competing for the eyes of the audience. Right. Right. So like my daughter will sit on TikTok all day. Yep. I mean, literally, from wake up to going to sleep, TikTok. You know, it's so very hard to get. I always challenge, uh, challenge you to just try to get open it yeah. at your own risk. And when you do, you try to just try to hop off. It'll it'll be so difficult, especially the autoplay that happens so quickly. Yep. It's 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 really interesting. Um, you know what's what's actually possible if you're if you can be creative about you know your approach to to getting on there. And I think it's also the answer to how to sort of expand your audience to people that wouldn't know you organically through your work, which I think happens on Instagram. And I think the, the, the some of the pushback is, okay, well, how the hell am I going to do this? This means I have to be on social media all day. I, I can't do that. And so I think there are some social media platforms that are meant for your engagement and some that are meant for automation or work really well with automation. Mm-hmm. I think Instagram and Facebook are great for automation. And I want to also throw YouTube stories in there. So YouTube actually has stories now. So you can use YouTube stories the same way you use TikTok if TikTok's not your thing. And I think that's really important to know that like YouTube has stories as well now. 
And that's going to be backed by SEO because YouTube is owned by Google. So I think that's even more effective than TikTok in terms of eyes, especially if you do it every day. But anyway, you can automate YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, and those platforms by using Buffer. Um, I think something like Twitter, you don't grow your brand through your content. You grow your brand through your intellect. And your engagement with right. other folks. Right. So that's a platform that you don't automate. You engage. You right. get on there. Like, let's just say you have time set aside each day to be on Twitter to respond to conversations you need to be a part of. So if you're a filmmaker and you're not on there talking to, to Ryan Johnson and, you know, all the independent writers that are out there and forming community and like giving advice and saying, you know, what your opinion on certain things are from a taste perspective or a work perspective, you're kind of missing the boat on Twitter. Twitter really isn't about anything else, but your intellect. And if you, you know, you, that's the way you, you really ought to use it. Um, to me, you could have a Snapchat show and a Snapchat premium account, even if you wanted to tomorrow. And that's super easy to somebody, yeah. cre- you just create it. You, you create your content People subscribe to it. And the thing about Snapchat that's so sticky is that when you go to Snapchat, there's an expectation that your show is going to be waiting for the person using it. And it's so easy to just watch it because they're subscribed to it the way that you would subscribe to a channel on YouTube. But it's like YouTube subscriptions has like two or three layers. Snapchat's right away, Nick. Like there's a soccer show on Snapchat. Like, I don't know why I like it. I don't know why I like it. I'll be honest with you. But I'm addicted to it, bro. It's these two dudes. I think they're in England. Is it the they, two Robbies? It might be the two Robbies. One's a light-skinned black dude and one's a white dude. Yeah. Love those dudes, man. So all they do <laughs> is try to make it hard for them to hit shots. They just put obstacles in front of themselves and see if they can still make a goal. Okay, and, that's not the two Robbies. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I, okay, I got you. But it's fun. Like, like, like one day they put up a net, and only the co- co- top two corners and top yeah. and bottom E-nine. two corners were were yeah were available. Yep. They did that one time with the keeper plus the net. They did it with different kinds of balls. Like they tried to kick a football, a basketball, a rugby ball, like a soccer ball would. They right. Kick a soccer yeah. ball. So it's just fun, and it's short, and no episodes longer than six, seven, eight minutes, and it's like. Boom. I wonder, you know, you could probably create that from your phone or something interesting from your phone that people would subscribe to because people do so much less. They get subscriptions, right? Like they just tell you that they're going to the gym today and here's what they're eating. Yeah. And that's entertaining and it's addictive and people stay on it, man. Yeah. And one of the challenges, I think, for some of the writers, directors and producers in this space and just kind of be honest with it is that. You know, for that content creation, you know, they're not the ones who normally create the content. Right. So if you think about the folks that you just mentioned, they're doing the thing mm-hmm. right where in filmmaking space, a director isn't doing the thing. Yeah. Right. The director is rarely ever the person who's on is was not the person who's on screen. Right. So when a director starts to think about how do they build their brand and how do they create content, they're like, well, I, I'm not the one with the camera. I'm not the one but, on the but, screen. But to I'm me, not that, the one. that to me that doesn't matter. <laughs> to me, it's, to me, what you do is right. you adjust your strategy 
for the brands you want, right? Ryan Johnson doesn't do any of the stuff. Right. He directs and he writes and he's got a pretty important voice. Craig Mazin doesn't do any of the stuff. Right. So you, again, you have to figure out he's what got it a is. Position there. and a brand and a right. place where he interacts with people and Exactly. So I think yeah. that's it, right? So again, we're not telling the director or the writer or the producer to create that type of film content. We're basically telling them that they need to get out there and express their brand through engagement, use their intellect, you know, to talk about things that are happening in the industry. You know, maybe even if you are a writer and you're willing to, you know, to to talk through, you know, a part of your script or a concept that you've got, or even talk about how maybe you would have done something different that you've seen out in the theaters. You know, there's an opportunity to create content around who you are and your thoughts and your perspectives on things. And I think that's what we're telling them. So I think that's the part where some of these folks, these filmmakers, again, the writers, directors, producers, get a little gun shy about these things. Anything. Like, yeah, like yeah, if, you're a great, if you're a great editor, if you're a great producer, right? Um, there's a way to tell your story right now that um, you actually have the time to do it. And people, my, my point about the drive through is people are the drive in theater, rather, right. is yeah. people are still hungry for great entertainment. Like, they'll go to lengths to, to go, you know, watch something. I think. That's also what's driving this push and all this investment money behind Quibi because people just want entertainment in their face, but they don't have the time commitment, especially from their phones or iPads to stay in it for a whole movie. So now you have Quibi. Now I'm disappointed that Quibi isn't a platform for independent creators, uh, that it's just another sort of a network network feeding yeah. machine for Hollywood and Look, there's probably going to be great stories on there that are going to inspire a lot of independent filmmakers and creators. But those top upper echelon creators that really could make content at the level that Quibi's probably going to push, they will be excluded again. And I think that's the hardest place to be in this business is right in the middle. Just big enough, you know, um, where, um, you know, you're starting to you know, threaten the people that are established, the creators that are established above you, but just small enough where you're not able to escape the more amateurish creators below you. Um, and you're not able to get out of their lane a little bit. Because if you're just beginning, that's great because you have a long way to go and you can sort of build and no one is even looking at you so you can make all your mistakes. It's like the best time to be brand new. Right. And if you're established, you you have to now you have to curate your brand and you have to care about it. Like, oh, I better not promote this because they could assume that I use that product, or uh, I better not be in this film because that character is a little bit too close to a real life scandal I had, or you know, just like where you have to consider every single step you take. It's like, but that place in the middle is tough because you're not making that big person money, but you have to think about the things they think about, but you're still small enough where no one at that top is recognizing you. You know, it's, it's really, really tough. And I wish Quibi had made a place for those creators so that they had somewhere else besides Vimeo pro. Yeah. Well, I think the messaging for me in the, in Quibi is that the industry is realizing the importance of short form content and it may not even, I mean, I guess at 10 minutes that even, 
might be micro content. Mm -hmm. So they are now potentially infringing upon the independent world, right? Mm -hmm. There's, yeah. and they're competing with it, you know, yeah. actively competing with it. Um, and I guess for independent filmmakers, I guess I would say, like, this is what we're trying to tell you about being on all of these other platforms. It's definitely a good idea to do this because industry has figured it out as well. Like, we're not the only ones saying that you need to be on these platforms and make this micro content. Quibi is designed just for this. Industry is saying this is a market that we need to be in. Yep. Right. So as an independent filmmaker who say the same thing, this is a market that you need to be in. Right. Because at some point, the Quibis of the world, well, who knows what the next one will be. They will entertain independent content that is exceptional for their distribution method. Right. right? So if Quibi doesn't accept it, the next thing that comes in from microform content likely will because they'll have to compete with Quibi and they'll have to be able to generate this content on a regular basis. So for filmmakers now who are thinking about a short film that's 20 minutes, they're thinking about a feature film, they're thinking about episodics, that's not the only way to enter this business and it may not be the best way. So if you can create, you know, eight to 10 minute content, do it. You know, look at these opportunities and even shorter than that. You know, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of content like, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, some of the stuff is like 30 seconds or four minutes or eight minutes long and it's holding people's attention. Maybe that's where you need to go and basically at least investigate the opportunities that are there. If you hold too fast and too strong to what you believe is a short film or the importance of a feature film in your career, you're back in like the early 2000s at this point, you know, like you're you're not doing what you need to do in this current what we call, you know, the wave right. of the, the film fourth, industry. Fourth wave of the film industry that we've yeah, we've been preaching about a little bit. And I hate the word preaching because I don't think we preach. <laughs> no. and, I and, and I hope someone will comment or email us and say, hey, you guys are preaching. And then we'll, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll stop. Yeah, we'll, we'll cut it out. Because we're not preaching. Like it's it's kind of like not even – it's funny because it's not even really advice in a way. I, 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 I think we care about being thought leaders and, and being advocates, but we can't tell you how to be a better artist. And, and there are some basic truths about all art that will sort of persist regardless of like the techniques and methods and things you use to exploit yourself. Like things like being really good, like you either you know, the market will speak and say like, Hey, we're not digging your stuff and you'll have to figure out how to move. But it makes me think about that Kevin Kelly concept of a thousand true fans. And I yep. wouldn't say a thousand true fans is in the middle. Uh, I would say that's like more like 500 true fans is somewhere in the middle, but, um, or, or maybe even, you know, it's, it's, it's this weird thing because I've gotten pushed back on the thousand true fans thing with film because we will say, well, I have 2000 followers on Instagram and I still can't pay my bills. I say, <laughs> okay, so let me define what a true fan is. Right, exactly. <laughs> a true fan is someone who buys anything that you create. That's right. Yeah. And therefore you wouldn't need to go to a distributor because they will just continue to buy things directly from you as you create them. Yep. And this kind of plays out on Etsy and Pinterest. Uh, Pinterest, like, yeah. Uh, Pinterest, like every day. So, yep. so other cool things that happen 
uh, in 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 the business this week is you know cover variety, Doomsday, Hollywood, and Free Fall, Big Black cover. Uh, man, that could have went bad. Um, <laughs> big Black cover. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, and I thought to myself, I wonder what will be the lasting effects of of the the coronavirus outbreak on this industry because what we saw this week was kind of unprecedented. We saw Invisible Man, Emma, and the much talked about The Hunt <laughs> yeah. uh all go day and date $20. Um and now they're not even day and date. Like I would assume you can only watch them on iTunes now because you yeah. can't go to the theater. Right. So 20 bucks. Nick, did you spend the $20 <laughs> on any of these three films? No, man. And and here, here's the thing. It's it's not because, you know, I wasn't interested in any of them. I would say that I'm probably in the camp with a lot of other people, which is like, oh, okay, now you put it on some sort of digital or streaming platform, right? Now that content is in competition with all of the other stuff that's out there that is on my watch list that's probably for free that maybe I paid for and I haven't watched yet. But that's like, that's, I'm not going to watch that right now. There's no sense of urgency. So when you take it out of the film, the uh, excuse me, you if you take it out of the theater, then the first thing you lose, the thing that's important is the theater experience. And the exclusivity, <laughs> I was going to say. Right, but that's what you take it out of the place. So now that you brought it into my home, okay, now you're just competing against the rest of the content that I have yet to watch, or I may be otherwise distracted by, by opening TikTok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, they, they thought they were going to get the exclusivity by raising the price. They were trying to use price as the exclusivity point, but it doesn't not, work because it, it's presented on the same OTT that all the other content is. That's right. So if there were a special TV that someone had to order in order to see the movie plus $20, everybody would watch it. Yeah. I'll say say maybe, you know, like with invisible man, (laughs) I think there's probably some sort of crazy effect they could have created. Like here's a special set of headphones that will allow you to hear the invisible man walking, (laughs) you know, that no one else will be able to hear fire. Yes. (laughs) Die line, die line, die line. Yeah, then that right there, hot fire, soul. But besides that, yeah, it's just competing with the rest of the content out there. And if, yeah, if we this did, lasts, we, if we this did, persists, I, I didn't spend it either, but we yeah. did check on it. We did. I went you to the hunt. I said, yeah. Sally, let's watch <laughs> the hunt tonight. And it was $20. And then <laughs> I said, hey, let's watch Emma. Let's see if they're all $20. And they're all $20. And we it's like, <laughs> it's like but yeah yeah because again I, you pay the twenty dollars in a theater for the theater experience you know it's a date you know or it's just you in this in this room with this uh, tremendous sound system and the the screen the way it looks like that's what you pay the twenty dollars for you don't pay for that at home i'm predicting the price will drop by this friday at yeah, the latest should, because yeah. i will tell you this I would have bought all three to watch already if they were the same cost as the normal iTunes rental. Yeah. No question. Because I will watch a brand new movie that I wanted to see in the theater anyway 
Yeah. As long as it's competitive with the other stuff that's on my watch list that I had planned on buying. Exactly. Yep. So I, I, I see the price dropping. Um, the question is, Nick, will will this stay? Like, like what if me and you are the misers here and the penny pinchers? And in reality, millions of people did pay the twenty dollars. I don't know, man. Does it I stay? think. No, well, I don't. Even if it's millions, I feel like whatever that number is that paid mm-hmm. isn't uh, on the order of the people that would have gone to the theater for that experience. Right. Yeah. So I think people bought it, but not in numbers that are really say that this was a good plan. Right. right. So I think you talk about longevity, like how this will play out. Well, depending on how this whole COVID thing goes, you know, I don't even know if they're going to, well, one thing, are they going to open up the theaters anytime soon? Right. Will this basically have to be our new normal until, COVID goes away and what is happening to the theaters right now, right? Will some of them actually have to shut down? Right. Right. That's what, yeah. If they shut right. down and cause they can't sell any popcorn to you. Right. Is this it? Like, is this the death of the theater just because of that? It's time right? for them to and get then, creative. The, the same way Netflix got creative with their party rooms and the same way that these, these movies got creative by putting them on iTunes. If I were a theater owner, I would immediately try to partner with Lyft or Uber or Shipped and allow people to order their concessions because there really isn't anything like movie butter popcorn. Like (laughs) you just can't get it right at home. You just (laughs) can't get it the same way. And all those movies, especially movie sized candies and things like that. Like I would allow people to, I would have a partner that would deliver that stuff. Postmates, whatever. Mm-hmm. And there would be a button that I could click through my account on my Apple TV, for example, or Roku or whatever you use right. yeah. that would allow me to order it in one click the way you can order in one click on Amazon. And yeah. I would save my business that way. Yeah, but that's it. Off. Yeah. yeah, and that's the, that's the thing is that it's changing your business model altogether uh, because, again, you're not putting butts in seats. So what are you providing? Are you providing 80% of their profit margins refreshments though? Right. I mean, that's a, as I'm saying, you're, you're, you're changing, I guess the, the outward perception, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of what yeah. your business yeah. is about. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, just to save your business. One. Yeah, it is. And I think that's, what's going to happen. That's where the question is, is right now you're shut down. They got no choice, right? They're just, it's not going to happen. The so, longer yeah. term, let's say uh, six to nine months or six to 12 months, Will they be able to even stay in business? And if they're unable to stay in business, what do they turn to in order to to make a profit? And I'm very curious to see what happens, you know, going forward. And if they shut down because they can't afford to stay open or this COVID thing goes for a much longer period of time, what happens is all that content that was actually theater content now becomes in competition with all the stuff that you get, you know, via streaming or TVOD or even in competition with folks like Quibi or TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, like it's all digital content. And now you're, like I said, you're in competition with the entire market, which is something that they didn't have to deal with before. So their whole model has to change and putting things up there for 20 bucks is not going to work. It's not a lasting model. Well, here's my question is, will we see, let's say we're all in the house till June, which would be yep. insane, right? Mm-hmm. June or July. 
do we see them price gouge us? See, a lot of people think it's the opposite, but but just being a lover and follower of economics and sort of those kind of that that world, that business world, it it's the opposite that's true. So they so a lot of people say, oh well, everything's going to be free and all that content's out there, and now the streamers are going to enjoy all these eyeballs. No, no, no. They have you trapped. It's just like high school. Coke costs two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> a cookie's three dollars, right? Because they know you don't have anywhere else to go. So, at what point do streaming services know you ain't got nowhere else to go? So now Netflix is twenty four ninety nine a month. Hulu is whatever a month. HBO go or now goes up. All streaming content, all rentals go up to that twenty dollar level. Get what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. And I think still like the twenty dollar movie, especially like if the big the, box goes out of business. Challenge. I guess right, but the, I think that yeah. right. So I think it's more. It's less about the cost per film, right? Which I think again, the twenty dollars doesn't work. But it's about the streaming platforms and what the subscription costs. To your point, the Netflix, the Hulu, and so on and so forth, because you're not able to get the experience otherwise. Um, but I think even with Netflix and others, I mean, they already got a huge share of the market. You know, they're already strongly competing with the theaters where they don't actually need to raise their prices, uh, even if they do become the only place to get that stuff. Yeah. You know, so I, I think it'll just what I'm saying is that you can't do 20 bucks like that's not going to that's not going to float, uh, especially when the Netflix of the world are actually creating original content that's competing. That's right. very strong with that's very strongly branded content. Uh, very strong IP. Like it's, yeah, you can't, you can't play that game. So yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting, man. Like I think it's going to, it's going to shift. And as we talked about earlier, there's a potential for places like the drive-ins uh, to come back. And there's also the potential for your small boutique theaters to really make a run. Right. Because if they now, have enough cushion to stay, to stay open. But I, I think, exactly. I think smaller platforms for content have a chance to come up where they've been normally shadowed uh, by big, by bigger platforms, right? Like, so yeah. both on the social media side and on the, and on the content side. And look, there are two, you're right. Two, there's two kinds of businesses, the kind that raises price because they have to, and the kind that raises prices because they want to. Right. Yep. Right. So no, you, you, you can't say, Oh, there's no need to raise price. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Uh, right. But, but, uh, but sometimes you need to, and a lot, a lot of times raising a price is simply related to the, to the loss of value in the dollar. So, and which people don't track or, or necessarily understand. Um, so this week we did something else cool, announced it uh, a few days ago. Uh, and that is our new content, our, our, our new content program uh, concept, if you will, called Mistakes in the Making. And what we've done, and Nick, as you know, we've, we've asked people to send in their 15-minute audio clips or less. It can be one minute. Um, yep. Send it in MP4 uh, wave format. We had somebody ask, could they send a .mov? I said, that's fine, too. So send me a video. Send me a movie. Send me some audio I can use. And uh, we'll put it together. We'll we'll splice three of these together, make an episode out of it, and then share it with the whole community so that we all come up, right? The rising water raises all boats, as they say. That's, That's right. what Mistakes in the Making is about. And 
in that spirit, Nick, I think you want to share one of our mistakes, a, a bonsai mistake. So, Nick, take it away, man. Yeah, just really quick. This is a brief one. Um, I just want to mention that you know one of our first principles at bonsai has been for some time now, no mercenaries. And you know, some people are like, what? Like, you know, what does that mean? You know, for filmmaking. And basically, one of our very earlier experiences um, with a project that we did, you know, we had actually hired a director that was, um, you know, provided to us through, you know, through a friend in film. Uh, and that director hired some crew uh, to help us on our project. And I remember the experience, you know, they kind of came in, they did what I'll say, they did the job, right? They posted up, they were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and when the job was done, they were gone. They were gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we never heard from them again. We barely got introductions while they were doing the job. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, discussion about how things would be, would be done or how we wanted things to be done. It was kind of like, Hey, look, you know, we know what we're doing. Let us do what we have to do. And then that's it. And the product that we got back wasn't what we had anticipated. You know, the, the quality of it wasn't at the level that we thought we were going to get in, in working with these folks. And right then and there, I think you and I, Chris, were like, never again. You know, we're not going to do this. Right. And, I remember and basically that. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, and basically what, what is a mercenary, right? A mercenary is someone who comes in for the pay, right? They're going to do the job to get that pay. And for us, what we want is partners, especially critical aspects of the filmmaking process. You need partners with you. You need collaborators. You need people who are going to be there with you uh, to help you achieve your vision. And then potentially when the work of the day is done, they're there to make sure that everything else kind of works out the way that it's supposed to because of this simple fact. They have a vested interest in you and they have a vested interest of the success or in the success of the project you're working on. A mercenary doesn't care. They're there to do the job, do the thing, get in, get out, get a paycheck. And you and I basically said, we're never doing that again. First yeah. principle, no mercenaries. So for our success and how we operate with other people, we will never be mercenaries, right? We always have a vested interest in the people and the projects we get involved in. And then as we're looking at projects to get involved in as well, if we see mercenaries on the team, we're out. That's right. not an that's not an environment for us. Right, right, exactly. And related to that, you know, we I remember we made a big list of everything we thought we could have done better, and um, I think very related to that, Nick, is having a level of involvement in the project yep. that would allow for us to manage the outcomes and the style and design right. and, and the quality of the product better. And, you know, I remember that that day very vividly that, that we had to manage sort of the door and the money, <laughs> but we should have maybe split duty and had one of us in the room and one of us out in the front in the lobby. Um, and I learned that lesson again on a short film that we did where I wasn't in the room, uh, uh, on a particular shoot uh, or, or I'm sorry, scene that wasn't really working and we needed more time. And instead of like being engaged in that process, I was arguing with someone on the phone and, no. and it's uh. like, it's like, 
never again. I might not even bring my phone into a set again. Yeah, I, um, I know, but that was a challenging to. situation for you in general. I think that phone call was a pretty significant one. So I, I, I get it. I get your point. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, you know, I'm letting one business fail or not be optimized by trying to protect another business. And I think that everything has its lane and its silo. So I think the mistake in the making there and how to overcome that is when you work with Bonsai, we're going to be highly engaged yep. both in, you know, in, in the step-by-step -step and in the creative, both while you're doing it and in post, because we want the best outcome possible for you uh, right. and for us. And I think anybody that has skin in the game would say that it's not a selfish thing. It's yep. you want you skin it. in the game from everybody because that'll give you the best outcome. So with that, I think we're good to wrap on this week's Indie Talk. This is always fun. I feel like we talk and uh, it's been five minutes and then I look up and it's been 40 minutes, 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, man. And I probably could talk to you for another hour, but I but I always say that's a condition of, of our history and our friendship. So yeah, uh, for, those, for those listening out there, if you have questions about things we brought up today or questions in general, you can send those questions to us at contact at bonsai.film. So C-O-N-T-A-C-T at bonsai. That's with an S. So B-O-N-S-A-I dot film. You can also find us on social media. We love your interaction on social media. So we appreciate that. It's at underscore bonsai creative. You can find us at underscore bonsai creative on Instagram and on Twitter. You can also search for bonsai creative on Facebook and we'll come right up. And if you want to reach out to us personally as individuals, you can hit us up on Twitter. Nick is at, they call him Mr. Bugs. And I am at flame in your heart, uh, on Twitter. And, uh, you actually can just search my name, Christopher Barkley, and I'll come right up as well. I've discovered. So yep. with that, uh, Nick, it's been a blast. Stay safe, yeah, stay healthy, stay corona-free, unless it's a yeah. corona beer. You got it. And uh, I think I'm going to go get on some of this uh, tequila. Cool, man. Well, actually, me too. <laughs> Sounds like a wonderful <laughs> idea. <laughs> Boom. Look at that. Great mind. Yeah, I, I, I love it. it. I'm All right, it. man. Enjoy that. And, uh, you know, squeeze a little lime in it and, and, and toast to me. Yeah, man. Will do. Enjoy. And uh, for all the people out there, be better, be creative, and be engaged. You said it. Cheers, everyone. Stay safe. Right. Yeah, take it easy, Peace. bro. Peace. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects and social media feeds, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash make it. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. If you do that, the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.